with the expats. Being a real German is almost like exotic because the expats always kind of hang out mm-hmm. amongst each other. They're like, oh my God, are you like a real German with a real Nazi grandfather? <laughs> Tell us everything. Hello, welcome to Comedy with an Accent podcast. I'm your Taiwanese comedian, Quan Wen. I interview comedians who perform English stand-up comedy but who are not native English speakers or they can have a very distinct British regional accent. This podcast is all about comedy, about accent, about languages, and about the comedy technique. So stay tuned if you're interested. Hello, herzlich willkommen to Comedy with an Accent podcast, another episode. Yes, you are at the right place. I switch another language because I am currently in Berlin. Ooh. Yes. Hello. 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 Herzlich willkommen. <laughs> oh, you reveal your identity already before I even introduce you. <laughs> I am back in Berlin to introduce a good old friendly acquaintance of mine. I didn't say friend because I think we didn't have enough time to spend together to really become that's, friends. Yeah, I guess And I think true. Germans don't use the term friend very cheaply <laughs> like Americans and British no. do. Okay. Heute freue mich ganz besonders zu dieser Gast zu. No, no, no. Go on. It's impressive. She was mocking my German. Heute freue mich ganz besonders dieser Gast zu haben. Also, Freddy Grahle. Hello. Hello. Hello, wie geht's? We are so upset. Yeah. I've never gone to this podcast studio before. They don't have a sound tech. I'm an Asian guy who can't deal with technology. We just spend a, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. You said it. We just spent a past 35 minutes doing different kind of takes and yeah, yeah, it was embarrassing. But in the end, we survived and succeeded. We are in a old industrial building in East Berlin. Yes. I was standing at the reception waiting for Freddy to arrive. I saw an eight-year boy with a scooter with a guitar come in. And there, there was some 20-year-old with skateboard. This place cannot be more cliche than I know. possible. <laughs> I know. Freddy, how are you? I am good. Okay, normally when I introduce a guest, I talk about their, I don't know, in a very shallow way. Their comedy CV, a so-called... <laughs> Please do. Yes. So basically, you'll be on German TV. You've done Rose Battles, the German rendition on mm-hmm. Comedy Central Deutschland. <laughs> Yet, I think you are doing a little bit less TV these States. Is that right? Yeah, so... I, I quit it completely, the German. <laughs> <laughs> you quit it completely. I was yeah. saving this question a bit later, but oh. let's explore that. Freddie, do you know, for native English speakers, can they detect your accent? Um, No, I get different responses. I normally, like often I get, oh, are you American or are you Canadian? I think because I don't have a specific regional accent, people are a little confused and they normally say like, oh, I totally would have thought you're an American. But I think if when I'm on stage, I definitely do make little mistakes here and there or like I sometimes can't think of a word. So native speakers do get suspicious at some point and they're like, "Okay, she is sort of American, but maybe she grew up abroad. Maybe one parent was from somewhere else. So, okay, so they can't tell immediately where you're from, but they know something's off. And when you talk about the little mistake, are you talking more about phonetics or grammar? Yeah, grammar. Or sometimes, and it really embarrasses me when I think of something spontaneous, then I I sometimes can't put together the right sentence, which is more maybe with being on stage and then suddenly being nervous or like maybe that would even happen to me in German. But then I always feel really non-native. Yeah, (laughs) because on stage, when we perform, we have to sound casual exactly. we had to sound like we are standing next to you chatting to you yeah. at a pub or something but actually our sentences are highly structured and planned <laughs> they are also i think because i live in a german setting and a lot of my life is in german so that i'm not quote unquote practicing english all the time if i lived mm. in london as a german then 
it would be different. I would have a lot more practice. Okay, so that's a little context for our guest today, Freddy Gral. She's our second German speaker guest, uh, not the first one. Oh. And I just thought, oh, well, there are more German speakers in Germany. That's true. But let's just <laughs> think about where Hitler was from. So I decided <laughs> to go for an Austrian. I specifically asked about Freddie's background because it's kind of complicated. You're German, but your English are a lot better than a lot of Germans. Like a lot, a lot of Germans. Care to explain yeah. what that is? Yeah, so it's really funny because in my German life, I never have to explain anything about my childhood. It never comes up. But as soon as I speak English somewhere, people immediately want to know the story. Why and I have are to you like, speaking I know, English and then so I have well? To tell them like half of my life story. So... The reason I'm speaking English with an American, Midwestern, maybe more neutral accent is that my parents were missionaries. They're very Christian. And we spent like five years in Sierra Leone when I was like a very small child. And we had American neighbors from Indiana. I played with the girls and that's why I have an American accent. I kind of forgot my English when we came back to Germany, but then it kind of immediately came back when I had it in school and with a thick American accent. So I don't know, the accent was stored somewhere in my subconscious. Even though I did a gap year in Britain once and I spoke perfect British English, but then I didn't practice it so much. And then I immediately sort of think I can just pick up accents when I'm surrounded it. But Eventually, it always came back to the American accent for Interesting, me. Interesting, because I almost forgot. I just remember you had a past in Africa, and I was so racist. I don't even remember what part of Africa it was. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out that I couldn't find the information. You mentioned Sierra Leone. Yeah. I thought you spent your travel in Zimbabwe or Namibia. Oh, um, yeah. I no, think no, one, no. Namibia used to be like a German oh, colony yeah. before we the first world. We had a genocide there, yeah. People think Hitler was the first. The no, G, we practiced in G, Africa. The G word has been thrown out. Like cappuccino being served in the morning. Did I know. Well, I think. I think honestly, sadly, one of the things that came about in 2020 with the whole Black Lives Matter protest is that Germans had to relearn their history as well. And yeah, I never learned that in school that there was like horrible German genocidal history in Africa. They're just like, oh, we lost the First World War and we lost so much territory. So. That's just benefit from not having to talk yeah. about the colonial. Like, we part. don't even talk about colonialism in school at all. But you guys did. It just used to be yeah. stopped. And those have been redistributed between Britain and, and France, right? And it's like right? not cool colonial. I mean, I know that's not like cool colonial, but there were skulls sent back to Germany to have them analyze disgusting stuff. Okay. Let's try to find some positive. It sounds really <laughs> weird. That's why Qingdao beer is very famous because Shandong Peninsula used to be like a German protectorate area. Mm. And German brought their brewery. So the famous oh. Chinese beer from area. Really? Yeah. And they yeah. do say some property value in certain part of the city is really high because there would be like German aesthetic villas and mansions. Oh, see, there was a positive <laughs> angle. Thank you. Beer. German. In case people can't notice, I was saying this sarcastically. Okay, I'm not pro-colonialism. I was having this chat with a friend. We went for Syrian food in Berlin. So we were in Ostkreuz. And I asked the French friend, am I right? Like the French used to colonize Syria, and he wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that because we both struggled to order comprehensively in German. I don't think the waiter was that fluent in English either. Yeah. So I was hoping that my French <laughs> friend could just opt for French and just get everything settled. Oh, no. But he wasn't even sure. So yeah. we Google, and he was, and he didn't I, even know. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> and then he said, we just never had to learn it at school. And it's another weird. funny thing is I was on a bill with another French comedian in London, she was making fun of British Empire. 
I'm just like that sounds rich from you. <laughs> 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 Talk about you being a bit off for native English speakers, but until you finally reveal yourself, no one can tell you're German. Is no. that mostly true? What about for German people? Do they approach you after a show, say that are you really German? Can't be your English too good. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes just say really short phrases in German on stage because sometimes it's important if I talk about German culture because you always have Germans in the audience so that they trust you that you actually know what you're talking about. I mean, I talk about my grandfather being a Nazi. It's important that they understand that this is genuine, and I'm not making it up because that would be dumb. <laughs> okay, so let's explore this a little bit. Yeah. Did you really think it through and to make sure you speak some German phrases here and there? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was it not a conscious decision? You just do it with the way you speak. Um, no, I, it was a conscious decision because. For a long time, my opening joke was, "I'm German. I know I have this weird American accent." But then, like, "Herzlichen Glückwunsch, auf Wiedersehen, guten Abend." Sometimes I just like to fool people to make them believe with this American accent that I'm a racist and not a Nazi. Mm. That, and then people are like, "Ha ha ha!" But I do feel like I need to own the Germanness for it to work. If I just Because if someone just says like I'm German but you can't hear, then it's weird. Yeah. In case the listeners you're not aware, Freddie is based in Berlin, so that means for your audience, however international they are, there's always yeah. a good portion of German people, and they may look young, they may look urban metropolitan, <laughs> they may look like we are not typical German. But sometimes those who say not typical German are very typical German in a certain <laughs> way. So for them, whether you are allowed a ticket to joke about certain things that. They may find very sensitive. Whether you are German or not, to talk about a Nazi grandfather makes a whole lot of difference. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do try to address both groups. I have a joke where I compare doing comedy in German and in English as a German here with the expat. Being a real German is almost like exotic because the expats always kind of hang out mm -hmm. amongst each other. They're like, "Oh my God, are you like a real German with a real Nazi grandfather? <laughs> Tell us everything." You know. And then when I started German comedy, and, and this is like just based on my true experience, is I didn't have a, a cool exotic angle for them because I was German, they were German, we we're all speaking German. And then the joke is like, oh, what am I going to say? Oh, your grandfather is also a Holocaust denier. And everyone's like, yeah. And then the Germans can laugh because that's kind of like a German joke that everybody pretends that they were in the opposition. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like fun. And I can joke for both. Let me explain in a certain way. The Berlin audience is a funny mix of people, mm -hmm. and it may have changed because I performed in Berlin between 15 and 16. Yeah. But I don't think I'm quite familiar with this thing anymore. There was about a third of native English speakers. In that group, there's a mixture of British expat, American expat, some Aussie, occasionally yeah. some Kiwis or South African, and there's another third Germans. Young people they flee other German city, hoping <laughs> for more international lives. So they will speak fluent English, but with a stronger German accent. Mm -hmm. Then you have, because it's thanks to EU, a bunch of international expats, but mostly European from other European countries, and that create a beautiful mix. That your material, unless it's very specific about Berlin, that works pretty well for everyone you have to pitch very universal idea yeah. to make it appeal to every single subgroup in a group is that still true in 2022 yeah i think the makeup is still the same 
I think it used to be more like artists or students, so people that were here just for a little time. Now it's more startup people that are actually part of the city, probably paying taxes. They have a little bit more money. <laughs> you know? Okay, so you started with the pioneer proletariat, the moneyless people. Yeah. They they will shower you with their gratitude and their I presence know. in terms of bucket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not... <laughs> it used to be basically it used to be all donation shows, and now it's like a lot of ticketed shows, and people are charging like sometimes fifty. Euros back in the day, that would have been unheard of. So you can really see that the demographic has definitely changed. If you ask, someone is always working for Zalando as like a project manager, yeah. like per crowd, like always. Zalando is an online oh. fashion retailer. Yeah. It also means that people didn't necessarily maybe choose to come to Berlin. It's just like where the job was offered. It's also people who maybe don't know that much about Germany or Berlin history. The jokes and the context have to be a little bit more explained sometimes because yeah. you can't you can't presume that much, or maybe they just arrived like two months ago and they don't really know anything. People have had to adapt more, but unfortunately, I feel like has kind of kept also from the from the comedian side who are also new and and always like coming and going that uh, a lot of the material is really based on ethnic stereotypes. It just doesn't seem to ever go beyond that. I don't think we'll ever get rid of it. And of course, there are always new good jokes that can be made. But I've been here for seven years now. I feel like I've heard a lot and also like about German stereotypes. And it's just the same again and again. It's like, oh, German is so hard to learn. You know, Germans are punctual, which I was today. So that sometimes she was, is she a little... She arrived just about five minutes before. Like, not too early, not too but late. But it's honestly very atypical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes when at a comedy show, and typically when I would see in the UK, in London, and people just say, oh, German don't have a sense of humor. When you say that, and then someone who's German, they roll their eyes. It's not because they don't do self-deprecating jokes is that your joke is so badly written. They've, <laughs> they've heard it a thousand times. If you had a more interesting take on this idea, I think they won't let you have it. Yeah, I mean, I feel better. like I'm regressing or like evolving to become like a racist sometimes because after a week of hearing, oh, how horrible it is to live in Germany and just like hearing so many jokes, I'm just like, well, why are you here? Well, just go back to where you came from. You know? <laughs> it's just like so bad. I feel like my grandfather. Any other German comic ever mentioned about German colonial past as comedy material before? Have you noticed that? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not like totally up to date what happens in the German scene. I feel like Germans that do comedy in the international scene talk more about their German heritage than yeah. within the German scene. Maybe like Hitler or the grandparents are mentioned, but I, I don't think so. Maybe more in like, in Germany, we have a big strand of a comedy called Political Cabaret. It's more like a political commentary, so it's not so personal like stand-up. So maybe more in those kinds of... Is it like the famous it. TV host, Jan Bimmermann? He's more like a talk show host. He never did any stand-up or cabaret. Oh. But, I mean, he has a monologue in the beginning, which people write for him. So I guess it's a little bit like cabaret. But yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. in the English-speaking world, they just say, oh, this comedian is more political. Yeah, I But think they don't so. really create a genre necessarily. In Germany, it's really two different worlds because the Politkammer is very much middle class. 
they'd probably perform more in like theater style settings, more for real adults that pay money. And stand up is very much a young genre still. We don't get like political oh. funding. So you're saying this political cabaret thing predates the German mm-hmm. localized version of modern stand up. Yeah. And I think and Germans really love this cabaret style because it's more like educational you learn and you laugh it's basically just the comedian telling the audience everything that's going wrong in the world and like we are all pieces of shit but germans really love it okay they're like they want to know that they're pieces of shit you know (laughs) (laughs) they want to know their depression their so doomsday thinking is justified it's on brand it was literally like friends of mine came to a show where i talked about my vagina and it was like when i was in my early days of german comedy so i'm sure it wasn't like the best performance ever and I think it made them uncomfortable a lot of Germans are still they don't want it too much in your face so that's why stand-up is still like a little bit more of an undergroundy thing in a way and then they literally told me about this gig they went to with this political comedian and they were like it was so amazing and after the show you just wanted to kill yourself it was amazing (laughs) and I was like are you hearing yourselves but it's like honestly what is wrong with this country is and it, I'm like, is it about this coming to terms with the past responsibility sort of thing? Or... Yeah, I think so. But it's also about figuring out what's wrong with the world. I don't know. I mean, it is about knowledge because political comedy is like, oh, and this statistic in 1984, I don't know. But I think it's sad because the political comedians, they don't really show anything about themselves. They're not self-deprecating, really. It's just about the world. And so I really love stand-up because... It was very therapeutic when I started and I talked a lot about myself and worked through issues that were important to me and really opened myself up on stage, I feel like. But for Germans, it's they don't necessarily enjoy that. I've got all the comments from audience members after shows where they're like, mm, I didn't really like that. Or like, <laughs> but are you OK or are you depressed or whatever? It's all from Germans. <laughs> I got an email once. The next, I did like a TV thing for German Sky One. Again, pretty early, so sure, I was pretty overwhelmed. And there were TV cameras, and I performed in front of really old people and talked about my vagina, so it wasn't amazing. I'm going to own that. But the next day, I get an email. So somebody researched my email address. You know, it's not like on my Instagram. And it was this older guy, I'm just assuming because his name was like Gerhard or something. And he was like, me and my wife were at the taping yesterday, I mean, we kind of liked it, but you just seem to have, like, a really deep sadness about you. So we just wanted to know if you're okay. Like, honestly, that's what he wrote to me. And I was like, how is this helpful? I mean, like, I guess it came from a caring place, but... Was it more like an aw or when I want the f- woman from you? You're like, what? What? what is this? No, I was how just am like... I supposed to react I know. to this? It's just like you don't understand comedy. I don't know. I, I think he really thought that I was just airing my dirty laundering that was kind of sad on stage. This yeah. is the last thing as a comedian that you want, right? They probably don't know yet that modern stand-up is all about and comedian I, being authentic exactly. and honest about themselves. And I think I'm quite sarcastic, so I think he literally didn't know that I meant <laughs> the opposite, maybe. What made you, because at some point you feel, I'm so special, I'm fully deserving of all this TV exposure opportunity. <laughs> what changed that? Um, The pandemic changed that. Like up until the pandemic, I was like, uh, I'd done several TV things and I'd recorded one just before 
the lockdown, which came out in March of 2020. And I wasn't very happy with it just because they edited out like a really big joke and they didn't even ask me. And I didn't feel like great about it. Also, I did a set that I'd done in Berlin like five million times and it killed. And then it was recorded in Cologne. It was just like a dead audience. So now I have a really bad TV thing on YouTube forever. And so I was like, eh. I felt I never really enjoyed anything I did on like German TV which is not so much maybe Germany, but it's just like stand-up recorded in a studio setting with a studio audience is horrible because it's like people who know that they're being filmed so that they're super stiff. They haven't had any alcohol. They're not like in a relaxed setting. So it's just like never a good audience, at least in Germany. It just like never feels great to do that. And then the pandemic happened and everybody was just like, oh my God, I was like working way too much before. And, you know, I tried to do English and German at the same level. So I was just like out every night and just getting panic attacks about, you know, getting my set right in both languages. It was just a lot. And I realized, I think I have to decide if I want to do one thing well, I'll have to decide and give one up. It was actually quite easy. English is just more fun. And I don't even want to be on German TV. So I think I realized I don't really need to be famous. Okay. If I wanted a career, and if I wanted to be famous, then German is the only route for me. But I realized I don't really want that. And I just really, really enjoy being on stage live. And the scene here is bigger in Berlin, the English scenes. That was a plus. I always just like performing in front of international people and not just Germans. And also... If you think about touring in English, you can perform in the whole world. You can go to the Fringe. When I decided to do my first solo show and like take it to the Fringe, that was like the nail in the coffin of German comedy. Because and then I just focused on that and I started touring Europe a little bit to get ready for Fringe. And then it was just like, I mean, it was super hard because I had to do it all myself. But I was just like, yeah, this is really cool. I can go anywhere in the world and take my solo show. It was a question about your philosophy and attitude towards fame. I thought it was a preference of it language. Was, it was you... a lot of things. And the third factor was that my solo show was about my faith and like losing my faith and religion and faith. It was always a topic that I couldn't really get right in German mm -hmm. because in Germany, obviously there is Christianity, but it's quite a private thing and people don't really, it's not like part of the public debate in a way. I was an evangelical Christian, which is a very small niche here, so nobody really knows about it. It was just really difficult to talk to Germans about is my their attitude? <laughs> is their attitude towards your face almost like, oh dear, that's dirty laundry you shouldn't air in public? It's just that they don't understand... I did like one German set on my birthday recently, just for the fun of it. And in English, I have this little thing where I say, I used to be really Christian. I used to date Jesus for a long time. Now I'm dating Jesus from Barcelona, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. Yeah. And so even like the, oh, I used to date Jesus in English. It's not like a line where people may laugh, but you can see like people. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's funny. And in German, I mean, I only did it once or twice, but people were like just looking at me quizzically. What does she mean? They don't understand because this kind of playful, oh, Jesus is my boyfriend, that kind of language, it's just like not part of the culture. But in English, because I have an American accent, when I talk about Christianity, people immediately can make that association with dumb American Christians from the evangelical, which everybody in the world knows. So mm. that really plays into the stereotype 
that I'm trying to use in my comedy anyway. So it's like really helpful to yeah. give like a bit flair of that. The line you just did. I used to say Jesus, now I did Hey Super Barcelona. Yeah. How would you do that in German? Oh, I just said Früher habe ich Jesus gedated, and people are just like, what? <laughs> Could you see that that sort of valley girl casualness? <laughs> it's already restricted in yeah, yeah. the German delivery. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but my question was, which word did you use for date in that casual sense? Dating. And turns out they just use yeah, dating yeah, yeah, yeah. in German. We That's have a, a German lot of Anglitzi yeah. smooth, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's such a shocking realization. I think when I project myself onto this, the whole. <laughs> mixed bag of experience you've shared because you are simply saying you simply don't have enough time to nurture yeah it's comedy so on both sides oh god <laughs> and but also the second one i was thinking when you were saying the experience you're not happy about doing those tv work in german and probably were thinking but you do know that if you're not doing it for german tv but you're doing english-speaking countries tv it's going to be the same problem that bugs you but just i'm do- never going to be on english tv i'm in germany like who would put me like it's just <laughs> never going to happen like american program comes to you all the comedians and you're like hey she cute john what about us? exactly like no agent in london is like oh i really need another don't white say woman. that i was just at the fringe it's a very in-group kind of cliquey thing and it's fine if that's the reality and if yeah. you're not in london or in the uk then it's going to be really really hard to get anybody's attention and mm. i think i'm 43 dude i have a day job that i really like and that I'm also very ambitious about. I'm a screenwriter and I also have a lot of goals there. For me, it's almost like not putting the pressure, turning it into a profession, protecting my joy of comedy, of like doing stand-up. I don't know. I think that's what the pandemic taught me. I just really love performing in front of live audiences. If it can be like more and more in the whole of Europe, that would be great. I'd love that. And if it's just going to be in Berlin for the rest of my life, I think it would still make me really, really happy. As an old friendly acquaintance of yours, <laughs> I am so happy for you that you are managing expectation as a way of taking care of yourself, basically. Because mm. comedy is something that is so consuming of your energy and your life and your time. You have to love it so much. Why you love comedy, love performing. And that's with the live shows you've been doing. Now those bloody TV <laughs> radio and studio I mean, recording. I'm, I'm still very ambitious when it comes to my comedy or my solo show. I am still want to make it like the absolute best solo show I can. And I do take pride in that. And you think you're not that young to naively think everything is possible. It's always possible oh, if I God, do everything no. all together. <laughs> I mean, I can't speak for the other expats, but it is kind of sad because there are a lot of talented people and I don't know how aware they are, but nobody here is going to have a career. It's just like, um, I did it. <laughs> it's, it's so brutal. No, See, Germans say as it I mean, is. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that you can do is like basically on the road all the time. So you can do that, but you're never going to, you know, make a lot of money. And you're. I think you can if you are a good, dedicated online content creator. Yeah. Happen to be based in Berlin. But that's a different career than being a stand-up comedian. And I think it's horrible that people now expect you to be good at all of that when people are artists they want to write they want to talk about feelings or politics or observations and they have to so i want to say out to my agent please stop asking me to do tiktok (laughs) videos it's bad for his (laughs) mental health Yeah, I have a real issue with the social media thing, which is also a reason that I've kind of made my peace with not having a career because I know 
I would have to become basically a content creator, which is something I do not want to do and I will not do. Mm. And so that's the price I'm not willing to pay it, basically, because I think it's not I'm like fundamentally against the way the industry is developing. And I'm I'm too old to be a part of that. I, I just I don't have the energy. I don't I don't care enough. This is a small podcast, but you know, today, this episode, I feel like I'm sharing my best kept secret, like the secret <laughs> personal beach somewhere on the beautiful Mediterranean island. <laughs> Freddie doesn't particularly do a big online no. presence thing. If you want to see her, you probably normally see her live shows in Berlin. Yeah. So you want to see English material. Just check whether she happens to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. If you do visit the Edinburgh I mean, Fringe. I have a little bit like on my Instagram, but only stuff that somebody happened to film, you know? <laughs> That's like my level of engagement. In the old day, when you say the comedy crowd, they were more like a pioneer. Mm. They would either be artists, anarchists, or people with rich parents <laughs> having nothing to do. Exactly. The number one go-to jokes are about drugs. Yeah. And that is something I feel like I missed on. I think I have very weak will to quit something. I can't quit chocolate. I can't <laughs> quit dicks, you know? So that's why I don't want to do drugs because I know once I do it, I oh, can't get I rid understand. of it. And it's such a cheap joke because you just talk about drugs and everyone is on board. Back in London, drug jokes only worse when you have very metropolitan or young crowd. People up a certain age, this kind of joke get thrown upon. So in the slightly different German scene right now, are there equal amount of drugs-related jokes? That's a good question. I would say yes, but probably more just like weed or something. I think it has changed a little bit. There more was... vanilla? Like not the hot court one? Or... Yeah, it's actually quite connected to the club culture. Uh-huh. I feel like as the club culture in Berlin has also become more mainstream, maybe it's not as exciting to talk about the drugs because it used to be very <laughs> subcultural and the, yeah. the comedians were also kind of more extreme personalities, I feel like. Yes. And so it was a real part of their lives to maybe go out and take drugs. I think they're still... Uh, not as to say that when they were joking about drugs... It was very authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do engage themselves and they do thoroughly enjoy those yeah. recreational use of yeah, those yeah. drugs. Yes. Obviously, that's still part of it. There's still a lot of comedians that take a lot of drugs. I would say in the German scene, less so because the German comedians here, it's more like this is their country. They live here. They probably went to university here and then they discovered stand up. So they're not as extreme personalities as the expats who probably sought Berlin out for comedy or to get away from, you know, the life that they had. It could be. Or that they are more comedian. They do actually have to wake up to an office job the next day. So even if they take drugs, they have to yeah. take in small doses in moderation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. And also the German comedians can have a career here. So I think they take comedy more seriously. Whereas the expats, I mean... Doing English comedy in Germany, like, nobody's going to have a career, right? Like, let's just be honest. That like... is a good segue. <laughs> Let me explain my observation and correct me any part yeah. that was wrong. When I was performing in Berlin, there are two types of German comedians. One type of German comedian, you can see they really struggle performing in English. They mm. can form fluent sentences, but it's just not as funny. So they pretty much confine themselves to the German scene. And there were some crossovers. At that time, I feel socially it was cooler to perform center comedy in English. And those Germans who speak English fluent enough feel like they have one additional currency to be able to do something other German comedians couldn't. They mm -hmm. took pride in performing English. 
they don't really talk down performing in German, but they don't see that much a big deal. Couple of years later, Comedy Central started with this localization strategy. They want localized content. In Germany, there's no previous generation of professional stand-up. We're talking about modern stand-up comedians. If you have years of experience, you can get on TV fairly quickly. And suddenly, those German comedian who took pride in performing in English abandoned English comedy. <laughs> like there's not one, two, three. <laughs> almost every single one of them. We're on Comedy Central. Oh, you all do German jokes right now. Did you see that coming? Yeah, I, I think that's a true observation. I think most people started in English just because the English scene is older. The the modern international scene here in Berlin, it started before the German oh, what? underground. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. It was always a little more developed, the English scene. And also in the English scene are people that are from countries where comedy has a big tradition. So mm -hmm. they're also a little bit more knowledgeable and more of comedy nerds. The German scene was basically founded by people like Jonas Imam who came from the English scene and started German mics because there wasn't any German underground scene and they were like this is ridiculous I should be able to do this in my mother tongue even though we don't really have any role models for it the German scene started growing also like fairly quickly I would say and then through Netflix putting out more stand-up content there was just a dynamic of more people wanting to do stand-up in German and like the audiences. And then there was one German comedy club where there was German comedy every night, Mad Monkey Room. Comedy Central sort of picked up on that. They created content where they needed stand-up comedians. Comedy Central is seizing the burgeoning stand-up scene. And is that also why a lot of the comedian you see on German these days, most of them come from Berlin. Like Berlin become this like a hub, a oh, lab yeah. of growing the modern version of Senna comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Berlin has exploded over the last seven years since I started, for sure. I'm still disappointed that it doesn't get more of a spotlight. In Germany, there were like four newspaper articles about the Berlin scene. I don't understand why not more people are writing about it. And internationally also, there was a very fast development maybe too fast because most of us weren't that good yet and i, mean, I didn't I, say that you say it yeah, i yeah, just want I, to I, absolutely. <laughs> I want to stay out of trouble because a lot of people <laughs> i know still live here still perform <laughs> on tv and you can have fun your yeah, own opinion. I, i'll just speak for myself um <laughs> i think i started doing stand-up after three years of english comedy so i had a little bit of a head start and then i was a woman and there were barely no women in the german scene so yes. i got a lot of opportunities very quickly and i would say too quickly but of course you know i was like oh yes of course i deserve to be on tv after like <laughs> doing german comedy for three months i mean it's ridiculous right i mean i had all the jokes that sort of worked in german but i don't know if you've do you perform in taiwanese uh not really and i don't think there is a taiwanese thing that the one the thing in taiwan is mandarin but performing in mandarin in london your audience are mostly from china for yeah. me that's the dilemma i don't oh, yeah, yeah, i don't, don't really, really want to perform no. for them but, but certain jokes i won't be able to do but do you agree that it takes like it just takes a while even though it's your mother tongue to find great wordings and like if you've done a joke like a hundred times in one language the groove in your brain is so deep already that you have to create another groove for like the exact same thing but in a different language it took a lot of time for me to feel c cool and punchy and witty with like cultural references that have to be different now in German. So it was actually a lot of work and it was really hard at first. When you say that people look down on either doing it in German or in English, I know I've, now the German comedians look down 
on people like me who do it in English because it's like you get easier laughs in English because the audiences are more friendly. And like oh. in German, like to get to really kill in a purely German room, that is a higher standard. I it agree. I think Germans don't do chuckles a lot. It takes a lot yeah. for them. They may giggle, they may grin, yeah. but for them to chuckle is very difficult. Whereas at least in the UK, people get drunk so quickly themselves oh at a comedy club. They're almost ready. They're just like, it's like a fully bloated you just need to. Okay, I don't think this can go. What do you know? <laughs> what do you know about female body? Right. Um, I don't know what male body I should use. I don't know because my personally, shit, this had to be cut it out. I don't want to. But you it. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. This is basically what I've been discussing with every guest, every episode. A lot of them, including myself, started performing stand-up comedy in English. So our language, our default tool to say write jokes or compose jokes. We use the English, the logic of this language.、Yeah. When I try to find humor in Mandarin, it doesn't quite work, especially if you have jokes that build on wordplay. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. even no, make sense you anymore. You can't translate them. No, and as you said, there's a different group and different vibe. And, and I just rhythm.、Mm. Like English words are all I don't know what it's like in Mandarin, but English words are all very short, and the sentence structure is a little more free than in German. So you can switch around. Are you talking to our neighbors? That's creating yeah, I mean, <laughs> barriers. People always say, "Oh, you can't do." Stand up a joke because the verb comes at the end of the sentence, which is only true for certain sentences, so that you kind of don't know what somebody is saying until they say the last word, which is not true. But obviously, in stand up, you always need to put the word that has the reveal at the end, and that is sometimes actually a little complicated. So you have to like really break up the sentence a lot for that to work. So you have that moment of like, oh, I'm gonna kill the vibe of the podcast. Go into a little linguistic explanation <laughs> for some of the audience because they don't understand when we say that this is very, very linguistic. There's a concept in German called Nebensatz.、Mm -hmm. That's part of your larger sentences. So when in English, like a relative clause, example, <laughs> relative.、Right? This kind of term will make half the audience switch off this podcast <laughs> right away, and、oh, that's why we avoid. So basically. If I say I'm sorry, Freddie, we can't start the podcast recording yet because the sound technician hasn't arrived. Right?、Yeah. That's a perfectly simple, straightforward sentence. But if I were to do that sentence in German order, I would say, "Sorry, Freddie, we can't start the podcast recording yet because the engineer." Not arrived has the action word the verb have to move to the end,、yeah. and it's a very unnatural way of speaking when you are not a native speaker. Yeah, But yeah, even、sure. a native speaker, when a sentence gets too long, they need to remind themselves what was the original thing I was talking about. Obviously, in stand up, it's always good to have shortened sentences because you want people to be able to follow. <laughs> you just have to think a lot more about sentence structure in German, and yeah, I yeah. think yeah, and it has a huge vocabulary and. What we haven't mentioned is that the reason that everybody in the world, I think, tends to think about stand-up in English is because that's the language that we consume it in. That's where the output is.、Basically. But is it by nature the most suitable language to do this? Not necessary. I think the language has been given the most, the maximum opportunity air to airtime. To the airtime, exactly、yeah. to try. Whereas other languages didn't have the same luxury to be in the same position. No, of course, English is just like being manipulated and worked with and, and molded, molded and... because all of pop culture, all the memes, like it's all in English. So there are so many、uh, turns of. Phrases and cultural references that are all in English, and like everybody in the world uses them. 
difference between the crowd being in Germany and Berlin on Berlin and Edinburgh? What difference have such a revelation for you? For any traveling comedian, there are certain jokes that are very specific to either the culture or the city. I have like a fairly large part in my solo show that is referencing the sex clubs and why I've never been to a sex club. <laughs> in Berlin, it's like very much part of underground culture and pop culture. Yeah, sex clubs like water and air here in this yeah. city. <laughs> but it's not like sleazy, but it's the cool techno crowd. That's where they go. And it's very sex positive city. I realized that people don't understand it. So I tried to explain the culture a little bit and make my jokes about it but it was too much of a journey for them to learn about the sex culture and then already make oh understand jokes about it. oh this is so like did you make crap. changes to that bit in your edinburgh i mean so. i just tried different versions and different ways to explain it oh here's a part about berlin culture that i need to explain to you now i mostly needed to keep that part because it had a lot of callbacks in the rest of the show <laughs> So I you just can't couldn't. just chop it. I if couldn't. you chop it, the whole show would just be disfigured. <laughs> because one of the biggest sex clubs is called Kit Kat, and I just yeah, have Kit like Kat club, yes. yeah, I just have like funny callbacks with like, oh, I would like to see a sex club that's for people who are bad at sex, and it would be called Milky Way. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really regretting that. It was definitely something that I would have otherwise cut out of the show. I don't know. I think for people, sex clubs are just either something that scares them a little bit or is kind of disgusting. And yeah, not a something... lot of comic they use sex club as a shock tactic, right? Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. reference their sex. Like, oh, this is something yeah, the ordinary yeah. people wouldn't dare to think. Whereas in Berlin, it's just so taken for granted. It's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. really big I... deal. So you use it as your backdrop. Exactly. <laughs> so like... You were not able to do that in Edinburgh, which is supposed to be. Or even like when I toured around <laughs> Europe. But I mean, that's why you go to the fringe to, exactly. to, 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 to learn these kind of things. That's also what I try to leave, like try not to do always the same room. I used to do a set. Um, I probably couldn't do it now. It's about my obsession with the royal family. <laughs> and the whole show ended with a British royal musical with the Queen singing I'm a Survivor. So you can see oh why I can't God. do that set anymore. Maybe it has to be in a Phantom <laughs> of the Opera way, but I just I don't, it's not too disrespectful. No, but when I did a set in Berlin, People kind of get it, but they don't get it, get it. They're like, so what? They gave me this face like, so what? What should that concern me? But whether people love it or hate it in the UK, whether you're a Republican or a Royalist, it affects your life so much. Mm -hmm. It has a different cultural significance to the British crowd. I didn't realize, but this that I so enjoyed doing, it pretty much a very local set, a very British set. Mm. And it didn't hit me until I try to perform in Berlin because even if I go out of London I still just go to other British cities yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think with local jokes it's not just the reference that is lacking in that moment or that people have or don't have but if you perform the royal family joke in Britain or the sex club joke in Berlin people have also have the knowledge of a hundred other jokes about that topic so they have already in a universe of jokes that saves about you 10 that. 20 minutes having to explain all exactly. the clues and contacts and... and so when I do a sex club joke I'm also referencing other comedians sex club jokes that I've already heard yeah. so I'm not going to repeat that so it's in a context the Christian past was it always having they featured in your comedy materials only until recently about your faith you used to open and address a bit but you don't do the whole set about it this show didn't get to watch this Edinburgh it's called Church Girl 
And Church Girl Interrupted. Interrupted. Mm-hmm. And it's based on your experience and your relationship with the faith. How does that still affect you? Even though you decided to step the way and looking at your faith from a different angle. Yeah. But the decision you made is still made complex because of your face, isn't it? Yeah, I basically, I was like a real church-going girl when I moved to Berlin, when I went to film school and all that. Then it's just like I became more and more liberal. I hung out with new people. Eventually, I was like, oh, I think I need to get out of this group. I just feel like I'm so judgmental. I want to try and maybe unlearn that. And I think I can only do that outside of church. And I also didn't really believe that Jesus was actually the son of God. And (laughs) Um, And so it was like a long process. And then eventually, I remember I was sitting in the Easter Sunday service, and they're talking about Jesus has risen from the dead. And I was like, wow, I've really heard this too many times now. I was like bored. And then I got at my phone and I typed in my first stand upset in church. (gasps) I think that was like one of the last times I went to church. Either I had already gone to or then I went to a couple stand-up shows because I knew one guy from film school who did stand-up in English, a German, uh, Georg Kamera. Oh, oh yes, Georg. Yeah, he's like my godfather. So I went to a couple of shows and this is really what I want to do or try. And yeah, my first set was about I used to be a super judgmental Christian. So that was like, I really needed to talk about it Stand-up was really therapy for me at the beginning to like understand what was going on, like losing my faith, because it was really like the most important thing in my life for like 15 years. And was that before the German scene really started to appear? There wasn't a German scene when I started. So basically it was a no-brainer because you're fluent in English. Yeah, exactly. And Christian culture is so Americanized, that made it even easier. Does that make your relationship with your family a bit more difficult or you guys come to a comfortable place um, with each other right now? Because your father yeah. is a pastor, right? Yeah, he, he doesn't work as a pastor anymore, but he was a Baptist. It was hard for my parents at first and we had a lot of conversations about it and they would like check in. So how is it going with your faith? I'm like, still nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now I think they've accepted it. But honestly, when I was on German TV, there was like one episode. It was like a documentary sort of format where I got to share a little bit more. And I also talked about my faith and that I lost my faith. I know it was hard for my parents. That was on German TV. You know, people that they knew had seen it. It was like early my career, so I talked a lot about sex as well. I just know that it was kind of difficult for my parents. And so that was probably the fourth reason why Oh, yeah. I gave up German comedy. I just never felt that free because I knew that my parents would see it eventually. And it's just like not a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's why I kind of resist recording or performing mm. in my mother tongue. Because it will be something my mom can easily access. Whereas English kind of exists in a parallel yeah. world in a way. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. But they've accepted it. And I think they now understand like what my reasons were. I have siblings who were never really that Christian at all. And to be fair, before you could choose, you did get dragged into the church a lot of times. So you spent enough time in that place already. So yeah, it's not like was... you're making an uninformed No, design. totally. I yeah. really gave it. I was really active in the church. I preached everything. I mean, that's another thing that I'm grateful for because I got to be on stage with a microphone in church a lot. So that gave me a head start as a comedian as, as well. As a confident speaker. Yeah, a absolutely. Speaker. And I translated a lot of sermons on stage in front of thousands of people. Being on stage was great for me. <laughs> And that's what made you unique as a German comedian of potential for international (laughs) exposure. The final thing I want to say is there is a misconception that German is a very ugly language. 
every time、mm. when someone tried to prove it, they would deliberately speak German in a very horrific way. Or like the Nazis and like the Nazi, They're right? Barking, basically. <laughs> the thing is, during the pandemic, Freddie had a beautiful podcast, but it was in German, and she <laughs> no longer had enough time, so she stopped it. It is so soothing, though. So I would. <laughs> it's called FAQ. I don't want to say it's. Masculinity. <laughs> so it's called FAQ masculinity in German.、Mm-hmm. And if you listen to Freddie's voice in that podcast, <laughs> it is so soothing. You can replace whatever sound of the wave before you go to sleep. <laughs> That is a beautiful. And I want to use this to prove whether a language sounds beautiful or not is in the ears of、sure. a listener. Let's try this sentence. A little bird flight a、uh, fly in a forest. Um, ein kleiner Vogel. Yeah, and how would you say that in French? Oh, un, un, petit, un petit oiseau vole dans le forêt. It <laughs> doesn't sound <laughs> beautiful at all.、That. See how beautiful it is, the German language.、Yeah. I don't think I've covered everything I want to, but given we spent thirty-five yeah, minutes no, fixing <laughs> the microphone, the mixer, the setup, I'm just grateful there is an audio file at、yes. the end of the day. <laughs> Freddie, how can we find you on social media? Yeah,、uh, I mostly communicate through Instagram. It's Freddie with an I underscore Gralle. It was G R A L L E. And since we are towards the end of the podcast, we've revealed your German identity.、Yeah. Could you share with us what's your actual name in German? Yes, my actual name in German is Friederike Dorothee. <laughs> Imagine if I were to introduce her, our guest heute is Friederike Dorothee Graal. That would sound very different. So this has been our wonderful guest today, Freddy Graal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.